Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. This episode is going to sound a little bit different. That's because I'm having technical difficulty. It's been a long night. I've been sitting here for about an hour trying to get this episode together. Sounds like what my voice through the microphone. I know this is going to make some of you laugh, but it, it sounds like I'm robotic. It's weird. So I wound up going without a microphone. I tested my mic. I tested my audio interface. I don't know what the hell's going on, but we're going to get this podcast going so you guys can get your little dose of education this week. We're going to do it using the old laptop microphone on the MacBook Pro. So here we go. Guys, this week I'm up by myself. Mike's uh, home recovering, doing his thing. want to talk to you about the downsides of negatives associated with co-living investments. I got a list here. I made up of things that I've been thinking about. A lot of folks in, in the Tampa market are doing co-living. A lot of co-living situations going on down in Key West because of the housing situation there. With all that's going on in the world and the economy and all that, this is going to come up quite a bit more. Now, a lot of you guys have jumped on board, jumped on the bandwagon and got going with this. And a lot of people I talked to are making good money, but there's some things you got to think about before you jump into this. And it, it all sounds like roses and rainbows, but uh, there's some couple points here that I want to go th through with you. Just, I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying think through these things and come up with ways to mitigate some of these issues to save yourself some drama. Number one being high turnover. Vacancy loss is a cash flow killer. These co-living spaces have high turnover for lots of reasons. Number one, generally people are looking for a shorter lease term, like a month to month. Um, month to month leases generally contribute to higher turnover. Turnover costs you money because if a guy moves out on the 16th of the month, it may take you a week or two to find somebody to replace him during that time. Nobody's paying rent and that's going to cost you money. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of effort involved in finding tenants. I know you might get a, go out and get a property and do this and get lucky and book it all up in the same week. But if you ask Mike, like when he just did his, his uh, crash pad in Vegas, initially it was a bigger challenge. He'll tell you it was a bigger challenge than he would have thought uh, right at going out of, the, out of the gate to get it leased up. Even though there was overwhelming demand, it takes a while to get the word out there. So you got to keep this in mind. Now, management challenges. Managing a co-living space can be a lot more complex. I'll be honest with you. You got multiple tenants uh, under one roof sharing the same living space. Guys, that's a lot different than man managing an apartment building because everybody lives in the same apartment. <laughs> it's very different. You got Wanda complaining about so-and-so's curlers in the bathtub and and Jimmy Joe Jack complaining about this and that, whatever. It's It can be very hands-on. Uh, you got to be able to help coordinate shared spaces. You got to get involved in tenant disputes where two people live together, don't like each other. Um, sharing amenities. There are people, believe it or not, I know this is going to come to shock to you in America that don't like to share. Heck, I'm one of them. But um, think about it. Driving down the road, how many times do you need to like get into the next lane and nobody will let you in? People will run over you rather than let you in. Well, imagine how that works in a living room. <laughs> That can be a big challenge. You know, with a co-living, next one I want to talk about is shared responsibility. For co-living to work, the tenants that are sharing the same household need to be able to share responsibilities. Cleaning, maintenance, utilities of common areas. If one tenant drops the ball, it affects the overall experience for everyone. For example, if somebody's job is to clean the kitchen every Tuesday and it doesn't get done, someone's cleaning that kitchen. Might be you, might be 
one of your other tenants. Now your tenant's mad because they had to clean the kitchen for Tommy. And then Tommy's mad because he's just too tired because he's been working. You can see where this goes. Uh, it can turn into a bit of a shit show. So keep that in mind. Non-payment. This is a big one. You know, co-living works if everybody does what they're supposed to do, right? Perfect world. If everybody pays on time uh, and what they're supposed to pay, we're good to go. But if one tenant uh, defaults or faces some sort of financial issue, it can put a hurt on your cash flow. Depending on how you have it structured, this could impact all of your tenants. Uh, you're not going to be happy if your apartment's not getting the income it's used to getting. It's going to cause problems. Here's another big one. Lifestyle compatibility. Guys, let's be honest, man. We can't get along as Americans living in the same country, let alone in the same household. Why do you think the U.S. divorce rate is so high? Think carefully wait, before you go into this. You're going to have people with that are that are very... The co-living situation basically attracts very diverse uh, people that have very different lifestyles and they cohabitate under one roof. And sometimes maybe they're running from a bad situation or whatever it may be, wanting to get out of mom and dad's house. They may not be thinking through the whole process before they jump into moving in with five other strangers. It's not like it you see on TV, right? They're like, this is an episode of the Kardashians. It can be a problem. Ensuring compatibility amongst tenants, that can be a tricky deal. Okay. Some people are clean. Other people are dirty. Some people are noisy. Other people like quiet social habits. One guy's a dope smoker. Three other people aren't dope smokers. These can all be issues, right? You got a heavy drinker and a non-drinker. You got a religious person and a non-religious person. You got a Jewish person and a Catholic and a Christian. I mean, yes, hopefully everybody can get along one human family, but let's be honest, that's rare. So you got to kind of match people like of like kind up together that can all see eye to eye. Uh, that can turn into a mess. Now, here's probably the biggest issue, this next one, that you're going to run into with a co-living investment, and that's legal and regulatory concerns. Now, they fall under different definitions depending on where you are as, as it pertains to zoning. Sometimes they call it a rooming house or a boarding house. You need to understand zoning. I have not found a municipality yet in Florida where this type of arrangement is allowed in most structures. Now, the place was built as a boarding house, it's zoned as a boarding house, then you're probably compliant, knock yourself out. But if you're taking a, a residential home that's designed for one family where everybody's related and sticking a whole bunch of people that are not related under the same household, now that should make sense, shouldn't it? Because you're solving a problem. Guys, I'm not against co-living. I'm just warning you, a lot of these do-gooders, that these elected officials are making an example out of people. They're doing it in Tampa right now. They're shutting down these co-living spaces. The mayor is kind of an idiot. The mayor has a huge housing crisis on their hands, and the mayor's office decides that they're going to enforce zoning for co-living. Well, you know, I don't personally own any co-living spaces but or control any, but I'm for it because I believe it solves a need. Housing is out of control. People can't afford a place to rent. This is a potential solution. But your do-gooder politicians, um, they may think differently, and that creates a little bit of a mess, and then they send code enforcement after you. It turns into a nightmare. So you better make sure that whatever property you're doing this in is appropriately zoned and that you're compliant with local regulations and city, state, and federal regulations. Make sure you got documented leases, okay? Now, keep in mind, co-living is very is trendy right now, but that can change rapidly. If demand decreases or shifts to other housing options, your investment may be affected, okay? 
Let's say, for example, I was just driving through St. Pete, Florida recently. St. Pete, they're building apartments like at every square inch. They've knocked down subdivisions and they're building these mega apartments. Well, if you're co-living, you got a co-living rental downtown, that's all fine and dandy, but people got to share the bathrooms. They got to share the kitchens, whatever. If the place down the street, the new apartment building opens up a whole bunch of efficiency apartments that are even remotely affordable, people will pay a premium to have their privacy. You could go vacant, ricky-ticky. Keep that in mind. Okay. Privacy concerns, you know, you start to co-mingle people. Mike can tell you stories about this. You put males and females together or cisgender and non-cisgender and all this gender stuff. It can get sketchy. So be careful. People are, there's, I don't even know how many people, I hear different stuff every day. Let's leave it at that. I can't even keep it straight anymore. This can get sketchy when you're putting non-related people, people that are not family under the same roof. Okay. Uh, Co-living, like anything else in real estate, is all about location, location, location. Don't get into these properties when they're in the hood, okay? And here's another big one before we wrap up here. This can be a short episode this week. Um, think about the exit strategy. How are you going to get out of this thing? You got all these people living here. You got various lease beginning and end dates. I would strongly suggest you keep those leases short, 30 days. Because if you decide you want to liquidate the asset, you're going to have to put everybody out. And you got to make sure that you have the stomach to be able to do that. That's not fun. Or you're going to sell it with everything in place, but then you're going to advertise it and you're going to draw attention to the fact that you're probably breaking zoning regulations. I know that may not, you may not give a damn, but uh, some do-gooder across the street who doesn't like the loud stereo at two in the morning may have different plans for you. So guys, keep that in mind. I'm going to leave it right there. I hope you guys have a great week and we will catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.